0: Now, we have a working definition of what intentional discipleship is. Let's all read it together. (laughs) Ah, because maybe you haven't been paying attention, okay? All together now. Intentional discipleship is proactively helping the believer grow in Christ-like maturity by modeling and teaching humble obedience to all that God commands right here this is our working definition all right are you with me all right so I hope you internalize this proactive means you go you you make the effort right when you want to apply for a job do you just sit down and read the ads oh they're looking for me no you go out you prepare your mess your resume you, you get called for the interview. You prepare, right? So it's being proactive. And what? To help the believer grow in Christ-like maturity. Why? Because a lot of people out there, okay, think, sometimes they're even taught that all you need to do is pray a prayer. What is the Lord Jesus commanding us? To go make? Disciples. It begins with sharing about a personal relationship with Christ. But we don't stop there. Because a disciple is one who follows. So we need to help them learn this. We need to help them get to follow the Lord Jesus Christ. And now what do we teach them? We teach them the Word of God. And we don't only teach them. We teach them to obey. Why? Because knowledge puffs up. I'm sure there are some in your circles whom you will invite to a worship service, to a couple's retreat or whatever, and they say, alam ko na yan. I already know that. And then you talk to the spouse. <laughs> he really needs it. Please bring him. <laughs> and vice versa. Alright? In our series of Genesis, we've challenged you. Respond, don't react. In the process, Esau gave up his birthright. And then we challenged you to make it a habit to respond in faith. And then we challenged you to practice responding in meekness every time, prime time. And last week, we challenged you. To respond with integrity now if my own little survey in my own life is correct and I believe I am not alone have you even in the p- recent weeks encountered opportunities to apply this yes or no whether it be to respond in meekness to respond or to react, to make it a habit to respond in faith, or to practice integrity. I'm sure we have all been tested. Did we pass the test? Hmm. Let me run, run something by you, alright? And you tell me if I acted in meekness, integrity, or what. Okay, here's the scenario my renter's insurance all of a sudden got cut off. They emailed my son, who is in Colorado, who is not part of the insurance. All right? So I called my insurance broker, and the secretary tells me uh, someone got in touch with them to cut it off. I said, how can that be? Well, it says here your son. My son is not on the policy. Now, who gave instructions? I said, you know, this brings me great concern because who has access to my account except me? And somebody was able to... Terminate the insurance and now you're you're emailing my son and telling me that my son was able to do that when he's not in the policy You know with all of this, uh, you know computer hacking going on. It's uh, are you understanding my uh, point? He says uh, yeah, but you keep on talking (laughs) Okay, I don't want to talk to you anymore. Let me talk to your boss. Was I within my rights? Yes or no? Was I justified? But then my office mate is here. And he tells me, Hey, Lorenzo. I thought you don't get upset. (laughs) So was I also tested in some of the stuff that I've been preaching about? Have you been tested? did we pass the test that's the problem right that's the problem you know why you know why we keep on studying genesis why are we genesis this is now 2016 why are we studying genesis you know why first corinthians 10 verse 11 these things happened to them as an example and they were written for our instruction upon whom the ends of the ages have come. In other words, the Old Testament is there to remind us of what they did so that we don't follow in the wrong footsteps that they did. Right? And why did Jacob and Esau do all of this stuff? Why did Jacob steal his brother Esau's blessing? Why? Because they forget that The true blessings come from God. The blessings really come from God. We believe and accept them by faith. And if we say that we believe them by faith, this translates into obedience. Yes? If we don't believe, we will not obey. Because we keep on saying that we believe it, but if we're not really obeying it, We don't really believe it. Okay. You share the gospel with somebody, for example. So, you know, this is the prayer. Would you like to pray this with me? Yes. So, you pray, right? Thank you, Lord, for giving me eternal life through your son, Jesus, in whose name I pray. Amen. All right? So, you ask the person. So, did you sincerely pray that prayer? Yes. So where is Jesus Christ right now in relation to you? Oh, he's in my heart. So when you die, where will you go? I don't know. We have to help them. We have to help them realize that once you sincerely accept Jesus Christ as your own personal Lord and Savior, your name, is written in the Lamb's book of life. And the book of Revelation tells us, I will not erase your name. So if you really have a personal relationship with Jesus Christ, your salvation is secure. And the rest of the things that we need to do is help each other grow in Christ-like humility, And obedience to all that God commands. This morning, we continue in our study of the book of Genesis. And I have entitled the message this morning, My Way is the Highway. It's not my way by, uh, who's this? Frank Sinatra, not him. Okay, My way is the highway. Before we begin, why don't we offer a word of prayer? Heavenly Father, we thank you for your word. Thank you that we have the freedom to preach your word, to study your word, to share your word. There are so many closed countries in the world, Lord God, that do not allow for the preaching of your word, to the sharing of the gospel. So I pray that you will open doors, tear down walls, and allow your light to shine into these darkened countries, Lord God that the gospel may be preached and your return may be hastened. Speak to all of us, Lord God, speak in and through me and superintend, superride whatever preparations I did, Lord God, so that the glory goes to you. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. So what's the title this morning? My Way is the Highway. Continuing in Genesis. So what happened? Jacob, in connivance with his mother, Rebekah, deceived Isaac. Isaac, in turn, having been deceived, blessed his son, Jacob. But Esau was the firstborn, and Esau should have gotten the blessing. They did not act in integrity. And time after time, as I showed you last week, Jacob had the opportunity to come clean. Why did you return quickly from hunting? It's the skin of my son Esau, but it's the voice of my son Jacob. Is that really you? Time and time again, he had the opportunity to come clean and confess. He didn't. And when he stole the birthright from his brother Esau, and his brother Esau found out, what did he say? The time of mourning for my father's death is coming. After that time, I will kill my brother. Where did that start? From a bowl of soup. Because he overreacted to his hunger and he was willing to despise his birthright because I'm hungry. I'm about to die. Right? So, what happened was, Rebecca, part of the instigation of this deception, told her son, Jacob, you better go to my brother Laban. In Tagalog, Laban. You better go to my brother Laban because why should I mourn for the death of my two sons? At the end, she still lost her two sons, right? One was going over there. The other one was going to be somewhere else trying to track down the other guy and kill him, right? So at the end, It still happened that way. So let's pick it up. Genesis 28. So Isaac called Jacob and blessed him and charged him and said to him, You shall not take a wife from the daughters of Canaan. Arise, go to Padan Aram, to the house of Bethuel, your mother's father. And from there take to yourself a wife from the daughters of Laban, your mother's brother. May God Almighty bless you and make you fruitful and multiply you that you may become a company of peoples. May he also give you the blessing of Abraham to you and to your descendants with you, that you may possess the land of, land of your sojournings which God gave to Abraham. Question. Why, after being deceived, did Isaac still bless Jacob? Was he deceived? Yes. Did he give the blessing? Yes. Why? Why did he still bless his son? Why did he still give him counsel? Why did he still say, may what? May the blessing of Abraham be to you and to your descendants. To whom did God promise that the Messiah would come? From God to Abraham, right? Right? and then through his line, right? So it has to be through one of his descendants that it would come. Now, Jacob took this blessing by deceit. Now, if you are Isaac, will you still give your blessing? Niloko mo ko! Right? Human tendency... You got it by deception, so I'm not going to give it to you. Correct? See, even he agrees. You see that? But we forget that during their time, yes, during their time, okay, look at what Daniel 6.8 says. Now, O king, establish the injunction and sign the document so that it may not be changed according to the laws of the Medes and Persians, which may not be revoked. Once you give the blessing, that's it. The only way for you to reverse it is to declare another decree. If you were awake and paying attention from last week, The blessing that Abraham, that blessing that Isaac gave to Jacob, okay, and then his son Esau comes and he finds out the duplicity between Jacob and Rebekah and finds out that the blessing has already been given to Jacob. What does he say to his father? He said, Is there no other blessing left for me? There was. Did you notice the blessing? That Isaac gave to his son Esau. Was exactly the reverse. Of the blessing that Isaac gave to Jacob. If the rain will fall upon you. You will work in drought. He will live okay. You will live by the sword. Why? You can't take it back anymore. You can't take it back anymore. Matthew 12.36 tells us. But you will be accountable for every careless word. Every careless word that you say. So once Isaac gave the blessing to Jacob, he could not pull it back. So he had, quote unquote, no choice but to proceed with it. Tagalog, na eh. na eh. diba? So we fulfill it because we've already said it. That's why, friends, God gave us two ears, one mouth. Listen more before you speak. <laughs> Remember, uh, I've shared this with you. And you find it funny and I, I, I've already asked permission from Timmy, right? We were going to Green Hills, we were going, I think it was think. Uh, Oi, Timmy, you can't eat with us. Why that? Oh, no pechalag. <laughs> joke, bad joke, right? My bad. You will be held what? Accountable for every... Careless word that proceeds from your mouth. So, Isaac already gave the blessing. What else can he do but follow through? So, he blessed his son. Now, when Isaac sent Jacob away, he went to Padan Aram, to Laban, son of Bethuel, the Aramean, the brother of Rebekah, the mother of Jacob, and Esau. At least... Jacob still listens to his dad. So he followed. He obeyed. He was about to venture out. Now what happened? Now Esau saw that Isaac had blessed Jacob and sent him away to Padan Aram to take for himself a wife from there and that when he blessed him he charged him saying you shall not take a wife from the daughters of Canaan. You remember Abraham sent a messenger To get a wife from their own people. And this happened to be Rebecca. From their own people. So Isaac is telling his son Jacob. Once you go there to your mother's brother. Marry from our people. Do not take a wife from outside our tribe. Our people. Right Now who was again listening in? Who was again observing what's going on? Esau. Right? Esau. In Tagalog, Esau. Esau. What did he do? He saw, he heard that his father told Jacob, the younger brother, not to take a wife outside their people. Outside the Canaanites. Right? Right? And Jacob had obeyed his father and his mother and had gone to Padan Aram. So, Esau saw the daughters of Canaan displeased his father Isaac. So, you're not supposed to take a wife from the Canaanites, right? Just from your own tribe. So, what did Esau do? So, Esau saw the daughters of Canaanites displeased his father Isaac and Esau went to Ishmael. Wait, who's Ishmael? Their brother, half brother, Ishmael is the half brother of Isaac through Hagar, the slave. Why would you? Why would you like to go to your half uncle? They were already told to leave, right and married. Besides the wife he already had, Mahalat, the daughter of Ishmael, Abraham's son, the sister of Nebaioth. Wow, what is this? Nebaioth. I think this is where saltiness came from. Yeah, Mahalat. Mahalat. I mean, of all the people you would go to, all right? of all the people you would go to, your half-sibling from the maid. You already knew more or less that what they did was wrong in the eyes of God. And yet you would go there. I submit to you, Esau wanted to smite to spite his parents. Ah Ganona. Ah? You don't want what I do? Okay. I will do worse. Now look, he he was already married. Look at Genesis 26, 34, 35. When Esau was 40 years old, he married Judith, the daughter of Biri the Hittite, and and Bishmat, the daughter of Elon the Hittite, and they brought grief to Isaac and Rebekah. They were supposed to marry within their people. Right? Now, if you look at it from a discipleship parenting point of view, It looks like they didn't do a good job. Why would he so marry outside their people? Many times we're like that, right? Look, we don't get our way, and then to get back, what do we do? We make things, ah, okay. Ah, You do this to me, I'll do worse to you. I don't like your decision. That's what. You, that's how you want to treat me. Fine. Okay. Whatever. <laughs> I'll do worse to you. I shared in our D group, right? Uh, when uh, I got caught in my deception. Uh, when I got caught in my deception. Okay. Because of my pride. Ah. Okay. You don't want to talk to me. I don't want to talk to you so for 10 months I did not talk to my dad I did not see him every time I hear his car leave that's the only time I would go out every time I hear his car you know the horn coming into the house I would recluse myself you want to play it that way fine see Esau was like that. Now when did this all of this infighting go on? I submit to you, it started early 25 verse 8. Isaac loved Esau because he had the taste for game, meat, cholesterol, but Rebekah loved Jacob. So there, you already have favoritism going on. and the Bible says, we should not have favorites. God does not show partiality, so we should not play favorites. Okay? But what did they do? They had favorites. So now, you see the outcome. Esau heard. Dad doesn't like Jacob to marry from outside our tribe, our family. Okay. Okay. I'll get his attention now but by by the way I already have two wives from outside I'll get more hello Adele are you there (laughs) who's who's creating a bigger problem you you think that by doing worse it's going to get better Hello. Look at Rebecca. Okay? Remember she instigated all of this? Okay, look at her. Rebecca said to Isaac, I'm tired of living because of the daughters of Heth. If Jacob takes a wife from the daughters of Heth like this, from the daughters of the land, what good will my life be? If you disciple your children better. Who knows? What kind of discipleship did she do? Jacob, you're my favorite. I heard your dad. This is what we will do. Mom, what what if my dad will say I'm a deceiver? I will get his curse. Never mind. I will take the curse for you. Just follow. Hello? Parents, I'm talking to you. Let's disciple our children well. Show them what the Bible says has to say. There are so many promises but there are also so many warnings. And we can avoid a lot of pain and heartache if we just show them the right way. And integrity is what? The same in your heart, in your mind, as the same as in your actions. Son, you know it's bad smoke. (laughs) (sighs) Can you get me my uh, lighter over there? Be people of integrity. What is on the inside should show on the outside. Alright? Going back to Genesis 28. What did Jacob do? Then Jacob departed from Beersheba and went toward Haran. He came to a certain place and spent the night there because the sun had set. And he took one of the stones of the place and put it under his head and lay down in that place. How many of you can sleep with the with a stone for a pillow. It's kind of hard, huh? Very hard. You know these uh, sleep number things? They may not even make it because this is a stone, right? This is literally a stone that became his pillow. So after being tired from a long day's journey, the sun had set. He has nothing with him, so he uses a stone for his pillow. Then he had the dream. And behold, a ladder was set on the earth with its top reaching to heaven. And behold, the angels of God were ascending and descending on it. Did he have a good sleep? Yes. How do do we know that he had a good sleep? He dreamt. If you sleep very lightly, you don't get to dream, right? If you sleep very soundly, that's where your dreams come. Yes or no? So he was in a good sleep even with the stone as a pillow, right? So what happened? He had a dream. And what was his dream about? He saw a ladder reaching to the top, going to heaven. And who were on the ladder? Angels. And what were they doing? Going up, going down. And she's buying a stairway to... (laughs) Heaven. <laughs> now this <my laughs> Alright, we understand each other. Now look, this, this cannot be just a ladder. Perhaps the English translation is very weak. Because a ladder usually, how many people can? Only one. But look, plural. The angels of God were going, descending and going back and forth, right? Going to where? To heaven. You remember in our study of Genesis about the Tower of Babel? What were they trying to do? They were trying to to build a structure to get to heaven. The word Babel means gates of heaven. And here you are. You're sleeping. You have a dream. And what is the dream about? There's a ladder And I see a lot of angels going up and going down, going up and going down. What could this dream mean? And behold, the Lord stood above it and said, I am the Lord, the God of your father Abraham and the God of Isaac. The land on which you lie, I give it to you. And to your descendants, your descendants will also be like the dust of the earth. And you will spread out to the west, to the east, to the north, to the south. And in you and in your descendants shall all the families of the earth be blessed. Was this not the blessing of God to Abraham? The blessing of God was passed on to Abraham. When Abraham died, we studied. God blessed Isaac. Yes? Now, who's next in line? Supposed to be Esau. But Jacob was able to steal the birth right away. So who's next in line? Esau. I mean, Jacob. Right? So what happens? God gives now the blessing. Jacob right in a dream and then behold I am with you and will keep you wherever you go and bring you back to this land for I will not leave you until I have done what I have promised you so it is now God blessing Jacob despite his deception. He is now blessing Jacob. So what are the blessings? God said, I will be with you wherever you go. God said, I will watch over you whatever happens. And God said, I will bless you forever. You want man's blessings or do you want God's blessings? Is this the type of blessing that you want? this can only be found in god how many uh, how many people do we know they made the commitment forsaking all others for richer or poorer right and then han i found somebody else now why why does god operate this way what's the title of the message today My way is the highway. Isaiah 55 tells us, My thoughts are not your thoughts, nor are your ways my ways, declares the Lord. For as high as the heavens are higher than the earth, so are my ways higher than your ways, and my thoughts higher than your thoughts. My way is the highway. Many of us take the low road. This is easier to do this. Let's just cut a little corner over here. God does not really mean 10% when he says tithes. It's okay. I'm a little late. It's okay. I left a little early. You're cutting corners here and there. God says, My way, the right way, is the highway. I'll take the highway because God's way is far, far better than our way. This is Jacob the deceiver, the supplanter. This is what Isaac told Esau when Esau complained. Isn't his name supplanter? But God chooses to bless him anyway. Now, I want to give you a warning. These verses, these chapters in Genesis we're studying. These are descriptive. Don't base your life on the life of Jacob. Oh, since God blessed the deceiver, I will also begin to deceive people. Anyway, God will bless me anyway. Okay, Des- descriptive means it's telling a story. Prescriptive is okay. This is what you should do. These. Chapters we are reading are descriptive. They tell us a story. So we should not pattern our life on deception. Because later on you will read about Solomon. Who has 300 wives and 600 concubines. Honey, we need a bigger house. (laughs) Doesn't work that way. Alright? So, God does this because He is God. When he gave the promise to Abraham, he said, I will bless all who bless you, and I will curse anyone who curses you. Why? He's God. In the other passages of Scripture, you will read, you will encounter, I choose to bless whom I will bless, and I will curse whom I will curse. I am the Lord God. So he is free to do anything. Okay, That's why he says, my ways are... Higher than your ways. My thoughts are higher than your thoughts. My way is the highway. So what happened? Then Jacob awoke. So he's still alive. Then Jacob awoke from his sleep and said, Surely the Lord is in this place. And I did not know it. you get that? Surely the Lord is in this place. And I did not know it. He was afraid and said, how awesome is this place. There is none other than the house of God, and this is the gate of heaven. So Jacob arose early in the morning and took the stone that he had put under his head and set it up as a pillar and anointed it. He poured oil on, on its top. He called the place Bethel. However, previously the name of the city had been loosed. Bethel means house of God. Now, what else did he do? Then Jacob made the vow, saying, If God will be with me and will keep me on this journey that I take and will give me food to eat and garments to wear and I return to my father's house in safety, then the Lord will be my God. This stone, which I have set up as a pillar, will be God's house, and all that you give, and of all that you give me, I will surely give a tenth to you. So what happened? Number one: He met God. Abraham met God. Sarah met God. Isaac met God. But up to this point, Jacob had not met God. How do I know this? And Isaac said to his son, How is it that uh, you have so quickly returned, my son? He said, Because the Lord, Can you read that? Because the Lord, because the Lord, your God, caused it to happen. Whose God? According to Jacob, your God. Not my God, your God. He met God. When he met God, how did he respond? He worshiped God, he put up a a pillar, he put up a monument. and then he worshiped God, what did he do? He made a vow. When you make a vow, Ecclesiastes says, do not delay in fulfilling it. Fulfill your vow. The Lord does not delight in fools. So when you make a vow, keep it. He made a vow. God, if you do this, if you bless me in this area, on this journey that I'm about to take, you will be my God. Before it was, oh, he's your God. Now that he met God, now that he encountered God, God, you're going to be my God. And how did he, in a way, prove it? Of all that you give to me, I will give you eight tenth. He promised the Lord that from that day onward, of all the blessings that he would receive from God, he would give back a tenth. He would give back a tithe. You see, many times the Lord tests our faith in where? The pocketbook. Now, we don't preach much on tithing over here because we want that you get the principle of tithing from the Bible and in the Holy Spirit inspire you to give what you give. So do we don't go around, uh, excuse me, Mr. Mike, my, uh, my record show that last month it was only 9.75% tithe, so you still owe me 0.25, okay? Oh, By the way, you gave only 8. Or by the way, can we have so and so up here? He gave 12 last week. We don't do that. Because you tithe based on what the Lord gives you. Let a man desire it in, in his heart. Because the Lord desires what? A cheerful giver. So yes, wala nang tithe. No more 10%. Yes, I can now give 12. I can now give 15. I can now give 20. Why are you limiting God? You see, this, these are all responses to your personal encounter with God. Why does it have to be personal? Because look, as I showed you earlier, he said, your God. Abraham, Sarah, Isaac had a personal encounter with God. But Jacob, up until this time, God was not his God. He lived on what we would say a borrowed faith. Are you a Christian? Yes. How do you know? My parents go to CCF. Are you a Christian? Yes. How do we know? I attend Sunday school. Are you a Christian? Yes. Why? I pay my tithe. Why did you pay your tithe? Uh, My dad gave me the money to put it in the envelope. Friends, we need a personal encounter With the Lord we cannot live our lives as quote I'm gonna put them in quotation marks okay as Christians if we lived on borrowed faith younger people don't for a second think that because your parents are Christians they read the Bible they pray they go to CCF that by osmosis that you are Christian and parents don't take for a moment, don't assume for a second that your children are Christian because they come to, to you with you to church. Don't live on borrowed faith. You have to have your own faith a personal faith, not somebody else's faith. You you should go to church. You should read your Bible. You should pray. You should attend a D group. But that in and of itself does not make you a Christian. You have to have a personal encounter with God. And when God reveals himself to you, Lord willing, your reaction, your response will be to worship him and to give whatever he requires of you. And all he requires in terms of money is a tenth. When Abraham encountered Melchizedek, what did he do? He gave a tenth. It's not yet mandated or commanded. As far as this part of the Bible is concerned, it's not yet been decreed. But they already gave. I, I, we have an, uh, a former, we have a former uh, D-group member in Manila. He called his secretary. He's into, in the into press. You know He's a writer. He has many connections. He called his secretary. Every month, I want for you to issue a check for this month, payable to CCF. You put there my tithe. Sir, we are actually in the red. We're actually not making money. Let it be. Just follow my instructions. Every month, you issue that check. And let God, you know, do the business. Is that guy a man of faith? (laughs) Trusting the Lord to supply. Because the Lord already supplies us with what? 100%. And he asked us, give back from my house a tenth of all that I have given you. That's exactly the vow, the promise of Jacob. God, if you will bless me, if you will be with me on this journey that I will take from now on, of everything that you give, I will give a tenth. Who who told Jacob to do this? Nobody. Who told Abraham to give a tenth to Melchizedek? nobody 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 but you <laughs> you have to decide you have to decide in your heart how you will worship god oh babalik tayo sa so worship huh? how you will worship god will i make the sabbath day a different day will i sleep in on sunday or not is that not a tenth of what you give back to god seven days he gives you life one day he says is my day and we have a hard time. Brother Edwin, who shared the heart preparation this morning, he thinks I'm making jokes when I say, you know, in the morning when we come here, it's like silence. And then at about almost 10 o'clock, the place becomes full. He thought I was kidding. And for the first time, he saw he was almost talking to himself. Worship is our response to God, to who God is, what he has done, and what he will continue to do for you. So we should be excited to worship God. Not all of us need to set up an altar, a tabernacle, a temple for the Lord as Jacob did. He got the stone. He anointed it. He met God. He made a vow. He made a vow to tithe. He worshiped God. Giving is part of our worship. Now see, don't live on borrowed faith. Even Jesus Christ spoke about it in John chapter 5. You search the scriptures because you think that in them you have eternal life. It is these that testify about me and you're unwilling to come to me so that you may have life. That's why we we challenge you. Don't just have Bible studies. Because some people think that because they studied the Bible, they will be saved. Are you going to heaven? Yes. Because I've studied since Genesis to Revelation. Okay. Do you have a personal relationship with Jesus Christ? Oh, but I study the Bible. Do you have a personal relationship with Jesus Christ? I read the Bible. What did Jesus Christ say? You study scriptures diligently in other translations. You, in the NIV, I believe it is translated this way. You diligently study scriptures, thinking that by them, meaning the word, the Bible, you will be saved. But what is the rebuke of Jesus? Verse 40. You are unwilling to come to me. So salvation is not in the Bible. Salvation, The Bible speaks about how one can be saved. Salvation is in the person of Jesus Christ. And he says, you studied the Bible, but you don't want to come to me. Gets? So, what does man do? Okay. Let's try to do this. Let's try to do that. Let's try to look for God. Let's try to look for God in the Bible. Let's try to look for God in this church. Let's try, etc., etc. But then we forget God himself in 2 Chronicles says, For the eyes of the Lord move to and fro throughout the earth that he may strongly support those whose hearts are completely his. God is already looking for you. God is already looking for me. And what is the quote-unquote qualification? whose hearts are completely His. Whose hearts are completely His. You will seek me, and you will find me, if you seek me with all your heart. God is looking to bless you. God is looking to support you. And He's looking in your heart. Is your heart completely mine? Because if there is something or someone who is competing in your heart for God, we have to talk. Is you're completely for God or not at all? He's looking for you. Now, who is that person on the ladder? In John 1, 49, Nathaniel, where's Nathaniel? Nathaniel answered him, Rabbi, you are the Son of God. You're the King of Israel. In verse 51, and he said to him, Truly, truly, I say to you, you will see the heavens opened up and the angels of God ascending and descending, where? On the Son of Man. So who was the Lord God? in the book of Genesis, chapter 28. Who was it? Jesus. Jesus Christ came down from heaven to earth. Jacob's eyes were opened. Surely God is in this place, and I did not know it. But when he met God, he worshipped God, he made a vow, and he promised to give a tenth of everything that he had. Jesus, in effect, is saying, I am the stairway that Jacob saw. I am the link between heaven and earth. I came to be the stairway. The stairway that anyone and everyone who wishes to come to faith in Christ can climb. get to heaven you see many times we think oh i need uh, you know i need to be reconciled to god i need to do this so god will accept me i need to stop doing this so god will accept me we forget that god is the one trying to reconcile himself to us second corinthians says and we're about to close now all these things are from god who reconciled us through himself through Christ and gave us the ministry of reconciliation, namely that God in Christ reconciling the world to himself, not counting their trespasses against them, and he has committed to us the word of reconciliation. So who is trying to reconcile whom to whom? Is it not God trying to reconcile us to himself? And according to this passage, how How is God trying to reconcile us to himself? Through Christ. And not only that, therefore, Paul writes, we, you and I, are ambassadors for Christ. As though God were making an appeal through us. We beg you on behalf of Christ, be reconciled to God. So who is God's representative Who is God's ambassador for reconciliation? Who? Us. That's why we have these bridging events. So that those of us who know of people who need to know Christ, who need to have a personal encounter with Christ, have an opportunity, a venue, to hear about the gospel. It is disturbing, brothers and sisters, if we look to our left, look to our right, look in front, look at the back, and we still know everyone. Why is that disturbing? It means we're not bringing the gospel out there because there are not many new people coming into the church. Did I step on somebody's toes? We are what? We are ambassadors for Christ. As if God were making his appeal through us. How do we represent Christ? Are our lives so God centered that people are attracted to us and then that brings an opportunity? For you to invite them to church, to your d-group. If they're a couple, March 5, couples retreat. They have financial troubles, we're going to have a financial peace seminar. There's going to be a parenting seminar. All kinds of things happening. Why? We don't want to have them just for the sake of having them. We want to have these bridging events so that You, all of us, have the opportunity to invite people. Because number one, many times, Pastor, I don't know how to share my faith. Okay. Bring them to the event. We will share our faith with them. The worst thing that they can say is no. Maybe next time. Yes. Glimmer of hope. Maybe next time. Yes. God is making his appeal through us. We are his ambassadors. But because God's way is the highway, my encouragement to all of us is to make sure that we are not living on borrowed faith. Don't trust the faith of your parents. Parents, do not for one moment assume that just because your kids go with you that they are saved i have my personal sins to deal with as far as god is concerned we must all embrace our personal faith in jesus christ and as edwin shared with us this morning the party yesterday we shared with them that you're chosen you're chosen to be in the party Because not everyone is invited to a party, but to salvation. Everyone, as in everyone, is excited and invited. You and I have to come to that point that I have a personal faith in Jesus Christ, I have been forgiven. I have been accepted by Jesus Christ. My name is written in the Lamb's book of life. Have you come to that point? That you're sure? Have you asked your children if they're sure? And if the answer is not really, then why don't, why don't you accept the invitation for yourself? All you need to do is to trust God. And the way that you trust God is to express it in a prayer. That's talking to God. All you need to do is to admit to God, God, I'm a sinner. Second, I I know that all of my sins have been paid for by Jesus Christ when He died on the cross. Third, I know that through the life of Jesus Christ I have eternal life with you in heaven. Fourth, I can only live the Christian life through the power of your Holy Spirit now living in me. Have all of us in this room come to that point that you are sure no matter what that when your time comes you will be in the presence of God forever. As we close, I'd like for us to just take a few quiet moments and if you will, just bow your heads and close your eyes because we don't want anyone in this room to live on borrowed faith. We're going to give everyone in this room the opportunity to personalize that faith And use this quiet moment to let God speak to us. Holy Spirit, will you move in this place in our midst, Lord God? If there is anyone here this morning who is not sure, if there is any parent here who is not sure of the salvation of their children, let it be now, Lord God. If you want to personally receive Jesus Christ, as your Lord, Savior, and friend, and you want to take a step of faith this morning, then pray with me. The prayer is not the one that saves you. The prayer is just an expression of your faith and trust in Jesus. Lord Jesus, I admit to you that I am a sinner and I cannot save myself. I acknowledge that only you died on the cross to completely pay for all of my sins. Because you live again, Lord, I know I have eternal life with you in heaven. And Lord, I ask that through your Holy Spirit living in me, that you will help me and change me to become the kind of Christian that you want me to be help me Lord to be the kind of representative the kind of ambassador that you want me to be fix my life Lord God so that it brings glory and honor to you Lord help all the parents here this morning help them help their children Embrace their faith personally. So that none of us live on borrowed faith. And we are careful to give you back all the glory, the honor, and the praise. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Good morning, everyone. We'd like to break out into our discussion groups. And just uh, two Simple questions. Are you sure you have a personal faith and not a borrowed faith? And how can you be a better ambassador for Jesus this week? Very simple, but very hard. Yes or no? Yes. So, if you can kindly break out into your discussion groups. Okay, before you do that, let me remind everyone. If you don't want to speak up in your small group, that's fine. Don't force the people to speak if they don't want to speak, all right? We are not martial law. Secondly, that discussion group should be a secure environment. Whatever is shared there stays there, okay? Okay? Don't let the whole church know what's going on in your group. That's not the idea. The idea is for you to encourage one another. And why, again, are we doing this? Because we want to give everyone a flavor, a taste of the small group discipleship. All right?